Hello, I'm Neil Aitchison and welcome to Warwick Podcasts. Working men's clubs used to be the centre of many communities, but now there are about half as many clubs as there were at the movement's height. Dr Ruth Cherrington from the Centre for Translation and Comparative Cultural Studies talks about her research into the history of working men's clubs. So Ruth, just looking at the history of working men's clubs then, perhaps we can first start at the beginning and how did working men's clubs uh, first get started? Well, there was a lot of impetus in the middle of the uh, 19th century to have um, some organisation that would give working men a place to go other than the pub. Um, Working men themselves wanted some sort of recreational pursuits and somewhere to go where they didn't just have to sit and drink beer, although that was quite a popular pastime. But um, it was a particular group of men um, around the Reverend George Solly, who himself was a teetotaler. But they believed that working men wanted and needed somewhere else to go. They didn't have much free time and there really wasn't much for them to do in that spare time. And um, they wanted to provide a place where men could meet for, and I quote, uh, to have social discourse, to relax, but also to have some educational and um, other sort of self-benefiting pursuits as well. For example, many of the early clubs had reading rooms. There's quite a strong element of education involved as well. Uh, and when did they start then? That, uh, and when were they at their, their height then? Well, the, the CIU, which is the Club and Institute Union movement set up by the George Solly um, and his, his colleagues, that began in 1862. There were already some clubs which had grown up in various places, but it really was the CIU and its, its set of rules and its development of those and it's also the, the way that it provided some financial assistance and guidance on how to run clubs. That really got the whole thing going. So after that, we, we see a lot of clubs being set up and encouraged to be set up by working men, not just in industrial areas, but also in rural areas where, again, there was a need to provide places for people to go and, and do something other than work and to, to drink beer and maybe drink too much beer, spend all their money and gamble and so on. Um, and that continued, really, well into the 20th century. Um, and between the First and Second World War, there was quite a lot of consolidation of clubs. Um, many things changed, but... Um, but they became really a part of working class leisure time Um, and I'm particularly interested in what happened after the Second World War where there was even a greater growth um, particularly related to uh, the out-of-town developments, the the spread of estates that were built after the Second World War particularly in places like Coventry which had to build a lot of houses um, quickly Um, and these clubs were cited so that they would have offered facilities for people who perhaps would have been cut off um, from their original communities and you know we're a long way from the city centre where the old pubs and clubs might have been located. And you're particularly looking at working men's clubs uh, in Coventry and the car industry here in Coventry? Yes um, I am um, of course it needs I have to look at lots of other clubs all over the country but I think Coventry is a unique example because what I've found is that it was one of the biggest club towns in the country. It was amongst the top three in terms of the number of the clubs that it had um, during the peak years, which I would say were early 60s to the mid-70s, when there were a lot of clubs affiliated to the CIU, thousands in fact. And Coventry was very active. And and what we find is that after the Second World War, um, 
some of the town planners, at least the councillors, who many of them were club men themselves, there's quite a strong link between councillors and Lord Mayors and um, people that come up through the labour movement and the clubs themselves. So they were very keen to provide sites, bits of land for clubs to develop on and to encourage local men to get together to help set them up. So they offered um, a sort of cut rate loans for people who could get themselves together and form a committee to start to set up these clubs. So Coventry was very ahead of the game in fact in providing facilities and help for working men to set the clubs up for themselves. How many working men's clubs were there in Coventry at that time and how many were there nationally then, roughly? Oh, um, well there was probably after the war, um, I haven't got the figures exactly with me here, but probably over 2,000 affiliated to the CIU. That went to over 4,000 in the peak, but then it's, it's gone down now to around 2,500. But certainly in Coventry, there were probably over 50 clubs in, in the peak affiliated to the CIU, working men's clubs, um, which is quite a lot. And why did they form them? What was their role? They were, as you saying, there were more than just sort of places to drink then? Mm -hmm. Yes, well, the original CIU movement emphasised education, um, self-benefits, um, self-improvements, self let's say, um, and also um, competitions, games, sports, something to sort of working men to better themselves because particularly in the 19th century there wasn't much in the way of provision for sports um, and for men to get together other than in places like the pub or parks, which often were a long way from um, a lot of where people lived. So there was this idea that if you help the working man, because the emphasis was always on the man, um, actually the families would benefit, because if a man wasn't spending a lot of his money on beer in pubs, then the family would, would obviously um, would, be, would benefit because the man would have more money and also be maybe more sober and also could take the wife and the children along as well at certain times. So there was some, some facilities for the families and this really grew in the 20th century so that by the time we have the clubs growing in Coventry after the war, they did become very much places for family, not only for the men. But we, there is sometimes some element of... Um, let's say, conflict between the role of the clubs because what we see in the 50s and 60s as society became more affluent, there was more of an emphasis on the, on the entertainment side uh, with the, the growth of bingo, um, which became quite a, a big thing in the clubs, it still is in some of them, and, and also the concerts, which became more professional concerts. Um, but earlier on, there was more of an, of an emphasis on education and self-improvement and you know, participating in sports and so on. And concerts used to be, in the old days, provided by the members themselves. So it used to be free and easies. Anyone who could sing or play the piano would do that. But there was a shift. So th there is sometimes this conflict between what the role should be. But I think at, at many points, that, that sort of went along. You know, there was this element of, yes, we want the... The, uh, the entertainment, we want the beer drinking and, and the good time, but also the other roles that they provided a place for people to come to meet each other. And, and there were still community roles in the fact that clubs collected monies for charities, they looked after the old age pensioners, provided uh, trips for people in the summer and children's parties, things like that. But what sort of role did they have in the community then and what, how important were they in the community? I think they... In many senses, they were a centre of the community because, particularly on out-of-town estates, 
there wasn't a lot else. There was the houses, the new houses, people had often nice new houses and gardens which some people hadn't had before, particularly people coming from the slum areas of, of the cities. Um, so there wouldn't be a lot else. So the, they provided a focal place where people could go, um, get together, have a chat, relax, and also, um, apart from, as I said, the beer drinking, bingo and concerts, so other things like lesson, boxing lessons for, for boys, things like this. So, in a way, they were an alternative community centre, sometimes uh, going alongside what maybe the local churches would provide as centres of community or even official community centres. A real sort of social club, really. Yes, well, many of them have got that in their name, the Working Men's Social Club, very much. And um, I think that's why the council in Coventry supported them, because in a sense, if they supported these clubs, then they would have to do perhaps not so much in terms of providing communities, because they recognised that the clubs were doing a lot before the war, offering these social facilities. So by encouraging them after the war, um, they knew that these estates would have facilities for people and there might be less social problems. And why were they so popular in Coventry then in particular? Probably because Coventry had this tradition. Um, what One of the first clubs actually was opened in Coventry, Coventry Working Men's Club. Um, opened even before the CIU was formed in 1860, so it's got a long uh, where, tradition. Where was that then? In the city centre, and it used to be in Cox Street, um, where now I think the Coventry University is, um, the Cox Street Club used to be there, but b before then it was somewhere else in the city. Um, I'm not sure if the building's still standing, but it's, that's got a very long tradition. And it's interesting, that, that club was set up by people, by working men, after a very serious weavers' strike, because the city, you know, historically had... Um, uh, the industry was very much related to, to weaving and um, material production. Um, and in a way, that was set up to help people after the strike. And that went from strength to strength. It joined the CIU, and then other clubs were formed um, because of the success of that particular club, really. And Coventry is, as we know, an industrial city. It always has been. And um, there was definitely a need for something like this. So I think it's always had a strong club movement. And how have you characterised, then, the, the types of working men's clubs, then, or how have you characterised working men's clubs in, in general? They're, they're often seen as being very sort of male-orientated. Mm -hmm. orientated. They're, they're working men's clubs after all yes yes you, you automatically think they're going to be sexist and male chauvinist and so on and yes of course there was an element I grew up living right next to a club and um, we used to go there quite a lot my dad used to go there quite a lot and I often used to think as a, as a young woman that this, this is not fair you know women aren't allowed to use the snooker tables women um, cannot be full members in their own right they have to be a lady member associated with a husband or father and therefore they, they weren't allowed in the old days to be on the committee um, to make decisions about the everyday running of the club. But there was that level of, of sexism, which obviously is traditional and goes back to the, the, the beginnings of the club movement. But what I find is that, what I found is that in clubs, women did get their own space carved out. And in a sense, it was somewhere for them to go to get away from the home and sometimes a family. They didn't always take their kids with them. You see groups of women, particularly in the 70s, when women were going out to work more and had a bit of money on their own. You would see groups of women playing bingo, having a laugh, having a joke, having a gossip, all women together, away from their husbands and families to some extent, and enjoying themselves. So women did find their own space 
and it was quite a gendered space. Sometimes it would be literally in one room it'd be mostly women and then another room, like the games room usually, would be mostly men. But, you know, it sort of went along. It, it, there was that element, well, we know where we belong and in a way we want you to stay where you are. I mean, I think in a way the women wanted the men to stay where they did because they liked to have a little bit of space for themselves. So obviously there was a level of sexism but in the way the, uh, the CIU and the clubs are organised, but women got around that to some extent. And what other themes then sort of characterised working men's clubs then that you're looking into mm -hmm. in your work? Well, obviously, a lot of clubs were set up um, for particular industries. I mean, many clubs were, were just and still have the label social club, working men's social clubs, but many have actually got a title in of the industry that they're associated with, such as in Coventry. We had the Coventry Coachmakers Club. There are a number of clubs with um, colliery, Coventry Colliery Club, and so on related to the mining industry, which we don't have anymore. Um, so, obviously, you do get that emphasis. So some people would join a particular club because it was where people from their workplace or their industry would go to and so in a sense we can characterise some clubs by the nature of the industry that people worked in that, that tended to be the predominant membership of those clubs but basically um, it, it was very much and still is a working class phenomena there are some middle class members um, but mostly it was for working people. And what was the sort of atmosphere in these places then? It was a, a really sort of great place for these people to go to to meet all their work colleagues, really. Well, yeah, it really was. Um, I think in the heyday, um, maybe I can get a bit nostalgic here because obviously, as I said, I grew up with a club and I spent a lot of my um, early years, the uh, nights out in the clubs. But they were great places because you, you were away, from, you were at the house, um, in the early days, okay, we had television, but there wasn't that much to do at home. You know, we, we tend to take for granted now all the things we have and the things we can do in home, and we've become much more home-centred. But in those days, you just wanted to get out. People worked longer hours, people worked hard, monotonous jobs. They wanted to come home, get changed, and go out. And the clubs at the weekend would be packed to overflowing in Coventry, as in many other cities. I mean, we live next, right next to the club, but we were in a good position to sort of get across the street quick to get tables, but you really did have to get over there early at the weekends. You had to get your table, put your drinks down, the pens down for the bingo, lay claim to a certain space. They were really, really busy, um, and, and people, particularly when the work was around, when people were working overtime, you know, the clubs were extremely busy for, there'd be people playing bingo, there'd be the concerts, people chatting, having a laugh, having a joke, there'd be dances. Usually after the concert finished, people would get up and dance, sometimes free and easies, the games competitions. So there was a lot of things going on in the different rooms and they really were extremely popular and people really did enjoy the clubs and often they didn't really want to go anywhere else. And why have they declined then? You're saying about half the number that mm. was at their, their height in the sort of 60s. Well, it's a number of reasons, um, but I suppose one of the main ones is, first of all, the decline and the loss of manufacturing industry um, in many cities, particularly in places like Coventry, where we don't have a car industry anymore. Uh, most of the people, for example, in the club that I use, that I grew up with, were related to the car industry in some way. Um, you know, they have a work directly in the factories or subsidiary companies. So when the work began to to go away, when people worked less hours, when there was short time, and then, you know, when jobs disappeared, people had less money to spend in the clubs. They couldn't go out as often as they did. I mean, it wasn't untypical for a working man to be out every night in the club, having a few beers, basically. But 
you know, when the work wasn't there, that was not possible. So the club started to lose a lot of money. And these are not profit-making organisations. They would need the money to keep themselves going. They're not paying shareholders, anything like that. They would just need the money to pay the rent, to pay the bills, to pay the gas, electricity, etc. And a lot of clubs started to struggle because a lot of the members couldn't come in very often anymore. They would go when they could. But you started to visibly, visibly notice, and I really was struck by this in the 1980s, and particularly at one point I went away for a year to work abroad and I came back. I was shocked by the few people in the club and it really hit me and I felt a great sense of loss and I thought something's happening here. So that was probably a big thing all over the country, the loss of work, the loss of employment, loss of jobs, loss of money. But then social change as well because um, I think I said earlier in the old days working people would want to come home and then get out again. Home was not the place where you particularly entertained other people or you, d you didn't want to really stay in. But it, it, that, that shifted. There was more of a, of a move towards improving your home. You know, we've got the growth of all these places like home base and so on. DIY became a big thing from the 1980s. So people wanted to stay at home more to watch TV, video, for example, you know, assisted that, and then later DVDs, computers. There became more things to do in the home, so people started staying in more. And again, that was, was assisted by the supermarkets, being able to sell cheap uh, beer. So, you know, it, rather than go out to the club and, and have a drink with your mates, well, let's go to someone's house, get a load of cheap beers and watch a DVD. You know, so there was social change, economic change, and, um, and also a number of laws. We have to remember that the clubs, although they were private clubs, they were still ruled by the, the laws of the land to do with gaming, lotteries, gambling, um, and of course, more recently, the smoking ban, which is obviously going to have an effect because um, you know, many members of, of working men's clubs smoked or still do. So that, that might have another negative impact. Uh, and what's been the effect of all of that on communities then, of the, the decline of working men's clubs? Well, you see, this is what I'm looking at now. There really hasn't been very much written about that because I don't think that many people have really fully acknowledged the role that the clubs have played as part of communities. They're just basically seen as places of leisure and recreation. Um, but I think there is this, this role that they did play, which has obviously declined. And that's gone along with... Because the community, in a way, very well, lots of communities, in a, way, in a sense, have collapsed because of the loss of industry. You've got that uniting factor disappearing, and then also the fact that you can't go over the, you know, the road or a few streets away to your local club to meet with your friends, meet with your former workmates, to have a beer. So there's a loss of perhaps somewhere to go. There's a loss of a feeling that might, you know, where is the centre? of the community anymore because we don't all go there on a Friday and Saturday night like we used to in the old days with the families. People are, are more, let's say, uh, isolated in their own homes and feel perhaps they can't go out, they've got nowhere to go. So this is something that I'm, I'm trying to find out more about. I think it is a neglected area. Yeah, and so it's played a part in the, the loss of the sense of community in these areas. Uh, um, yes. Um, well, um, what about the yeah? Uh, what about the future then? That uh, uh, is that trying to be recreated? We hear a lot now about uh, community and community involvement. Is mm -hmm. there a, a movement now to try and recreate that sort of role that uh, working mm -hmm. men's clubs, at least in part, uh, provided? Um, I don't think so. I think there is a lot about regeneration and recreation of community, um, but I'm not sure that the, the clubs um, have been brought in very much. 
And the problem is, a lot of the time, many of the clubs now are not CIU clubs anymore. They're not non-profit making clubs. So in a sense, there would be a difficulty in working with some of the clubs when you know, their main role now is to, to make money and to keep going in that way. So it might be difficult to go back to the position of before because we've lost a lot of clubs. Um, I think there is a role for clubs to play though um, and I'd like to see more dialogue between clubs and the club movement and, and local councils and, and regeneration schemes and so on because I do think they have provided um, quite a lot for the communities in the past and I think there still could be a role, even private clubs. Um, I think we do need more research looking at what the role has been and, and obviously it, it can't go back to how it used to be because society has changed dramatically but we have to shape a new role for the 21st century.